remember being younger and people being like, Nina, like you need to think more about things like this or you need to worry more about this. And then as I got older, I feel like I manifested that and was like, I need to worry about everything and I need to be in control of everything. (laughs) And then that got me nowhere. So boo you, all you people that told me to worry more when I was younger. (laughs) Nina's got a list. She's coming after you. I'm coming after you, dad. That's who I'm coming, (laughs) very specifically. Welcome to the Finding Your Shine podcast, hosted by best friends Nina Boyce and Liz Garster. Enjoy a dose of Monday motivation each week as we interview people lighting up the communities of health and wellness, spirituality, and personal growth. Wherever you are on your journey to health, happiness, and self-love, our real and authentic conversations with guests will keep you inspired and empowered. And keep you laughing too. Thanks for listening. We're honored to join you in finding your shine. Hello, Finding Your Shine Gang. We are, I don't like that name. <laughs> finding Your back. Shine Gang. Hello, Finding Your Shine. <laughs> I don't know what to call you guys other than Finding Your Shiners, but I feel like I need to be more creative. Welcome back. Let's just say that. Welcome back. Today, we are really excited to be talking to Mandy Thomas. She actually um, was in my financial coaching program that I just wrapped up, which was seriously the best investment I've ever made in my life. Can't praise that enough. But I thought she was a great fit immediately. I think I reached out to her like almost as soon as I found out kind of like what she was about, because it's like if Nina and myself merged into one human, because she has the um, holistic nutrition background too. And she's dealt with a lot of the kind of gut health, anxiety, digestive stuff that Nina is so passionate about, but she's currently doing financial coaching, which also tied into her anxiety um, too. So it's, it's the best of both. She's like our soul person. (laughs) If you put the two of us together, she is like the soul version of us. I I think I even mentioned this in the podcast. I was like, I just keep wanting to be like, I just love you. Like, I love everything that you are saying right now. (laughs) And it resonates so well with what both of us preach. It was, it was a good episode. Yes. She also has some great tips too. And she'll get into those, I think just good in general, like mindset, lifestyle kind of tips for living a better life with maybe a more optimistic view and shifting away from that scarcity mindset and thinking, I'm not enough, I don't have enough, into recognizing how great your life is and can be, especially when you feel empowered Mm -hmm. to make those changes. Yeah, it absolutely is an incredible episode that blends both of our loves, financial health, holistic health, all the things. So we hope that you enjoy it. Before we hop into it, we just want to remind you that you can find us on Instagram. That's where we do the most of our chattering is on Instagram. Um, and that is at Funny Your Shine Podcast. So if you want to check us out over there, you can keep the conversation rolling, DM us, whatever you want to do. Also wanted to give a little shout out to my program, Empowered Mind, Empowered Body, which is a six-week group coaching program really to revitalize your mind and your body and get you feeling really well again. I talk a little bit about what's included in the six weeks back in our 100th 
Day episode, which is a few episodes back. So if you're curious, you can hop on over to that episode and listen to all of the details, or you can just follow me over on Nourished with Nina or send me an email at nourishedwithnina at gmail.com. I would love to set up a time just to talk you through what's involved in the program and see if it's a good fit for you. So that program will be launching in January. Perfect. Announcements check. Now let's head into this episode with Mandy Thomas. So you did, what health coaching programs did you do? So I went to school in Edmonton and the school that they have there is called the Canadian School of Natural Nutrition. So it's CSNN. So it's called Holistic. Um, Well, Holistic Nutrition is what the program is called. So I went to school, studied that for an entire year. Holy cow. I've met like, I have my power engineering is my background and I'm not kidding. It was way harder studying. Like it's a two-year program combined into one year. And basically you're, you become very unhealthy taking the program because you don't sleep very much. Don't have time. Oh my gosh. So, so I'm not doing health coaching anymore. I just found like when you're trying to speak to people, I literally like it. It goes back to like that niche market. Otherwise it confuses people. And I feel like there's just so much stuff to set up. So I decided that that's not what I'm going to do. And I'm just going to focus on the finances, but I talk a lot about health, like on my blog and different things about like how mm-hmm. like digestive systems affected by it, like your relationships. So I, there's a c- couple of people that said to me like, oh, you wasted that entire year of school because you teach people about their finances now. And I was like, no, I wouldn't have realized this they were related yeah. to do. And I combined so much of that. Like I have a blog post that I'm going to write in February. That's how your fertility is affected by your financial situation. Oh Whoa. yeah. It's like so, all related. Which- Absolutely. So I just feel like from, I, I do get to tie the two together. It's just, I don't directly work with people on like their nutrition. I just help improve mm-hmm. like their mental health through their finances. Yeah. So. I know it's, right. it's literally all in one, like holistic health. It's like your finances, your career, your life, your health, your spirituality. It's like every single piece needs to be in place so that you really live like your best life. It sounds cheesy, but it's true. I love that you two work together because you two are combining that. And I think that's really amazing to be able to find someone that you really, that you really work well with and you have that same vibe. So that mm-hmm. is so awesome that you guys are doing this together. We have big plans Thanks. for the future. We do. Coming we're going to come up with more collabs. More, yeah. That is yeah. awesome. Wait, 2020? I thought we were doing this 2019. Oh yeah, sorry. You know? That is this upcoming year. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> I was like, wait. So I'm trying to think. I'd like to talk about Obviously, like you have your story with finances, but you also, I noticed on your website, have your story about your health too and how your health has changed and your money has changed. So I wondered if you could talk about like your own personal story and how that evolution happened. Absolutely. So growing up, we didn't have a lot in our family and there was definitely that feeling of scarcity when it came to money. And looking back, I had no idea that I had anxiety around money. I just knew that always growing up, I was really, really stressed about it because we didn't have much. So what I did was I knew from a really young age that I needed to be the person in control of my finances. So I started reading every single book and I learned how to handle my money really well because I knew that in order to have any, I had to be really, really smart with it. So I was Mm -hmm. always very, very good with my money. But as I started to get older, I went to school, I became a power engineer and I was making six figures. I had no debt. I was managing my money really well. But at the same time, I had extreme anxiety around money because it was just that fear of always losing it and going back to my childhood. And I honestly, I felt like I couldn't open up to anyone because I felt like if I told someone and everybody did know that I was making a lot of money, 
and that I did really well with managing it, I felt like people would really, really judge me harshly and say, we wish we had your problems. Mm. Like you actually, this is a perceived problem. This isn't a quote unquote real problem. So I kept Mm -hmm. it in, didn't say a word to anyone. And for me, how that came out was a lot of digestive problems. I had a Mm. ton of digestive problems for about seven years. Um, It turned into anxiety eventually. And then the anxiety for me, that pain feeling when my body's trying to figure out like what it can do to overcome that for me, it led to binge eating, Mm. which I feel like is really, really common, but no one's talking about because it's a really shameful feeling. And of course, especially when I'm a really health-minded person that knows better, the last thing I want to do is open up about that. So for right. me, then what really, really ended up happening was that anxiety, that really high stress, it led to brain fog. And then that's yeah. kind of where it was kind of when I hit my rock bottom was I had a lot of memory issues and work started to become really difficult for me. So tasks that used to be really easy were now really difficult. And it, I felt hmm. like going to work was, it used to be fun. And now I was just scared every single day because I was scared. I felt like I'm an imposter because if someone, I was scared that someone would ask me something and I wouldn't know the answer. So I started mm. carrying two little notebooks in my pockets of my coveralls. And I wrote down all these things that I should know how to do that were all of a sudden hard. So I'd write them down. So when I go outside to do them, I could go through my steps to make sure I did it right. And it was really, really hard on my confidence. I got really, really down on myself. And it wasn't until I finally opened up to someone, I worked with a coach and I opened up and I said, this is how I'm feeling. This is what I'm going through. This is what's on my chest. And I opened up to someone that I did not know to me was easier because she was not biased to the situation. And then after I opened up like that day, it felt like I lost about 30 Mm -hmm. pounds because this weight that I kept trying to push farther and farther down that kept bubbling up and it's eventually going to come back up. It finally was open and that power that was like over top of me, finally, it didn't have that power over me anymore. And it was incredible. And so it did, it took time. Like for me, it was going through journaling and then finally opening up to the people closest to me. Cause I was still very scared to do that. And then once I told them, that's when my, my health really improved because the anxiety, yeah. I was able to overcome that and the stress. And then also what was really interesting was the brain fog that I thought was something I might not ever overcome. And it was such an, a shameful feeling at 25 to feel like you should have full memory and you're really struggling with something and you feel like you're 50 years old. I was able to yeah. overcome that. And for me, that was one of the biggest feats uh, between that and the binge eating. I didn't know if I would ever overcome that. But when I worked on that mindset and those feelings around scarcity and how we actually do live in an abundant world and just decreasing those feelings, my entire, every single thing about my life changed. My physical health, my mental health, absolutely everything in between. I, sorry, I like can't even fathom like how much I love Nina's every single thing that you said <laughs> because the thing that really struck me is when I come to see people, like when a client comes to me, it's all of those symptoms you said. Like I have brain fog, I'm having digestive issues, um, I lost my period, like I have severe anxiety and we want to spot treat those symptoms. That's like, okay, how do we spot treat those symptoms? But what people, and it takes a while for people to get to that point where you just hit the nail on the head. Like the issue was that mindset you had and that scarcity mindset you had around your finances and holding holding these things inside and keeping things secret, like the way that it affects your health is 
insane. And so the one thing I always am trying to tell people is like, these are your symptoms. Like what's underneath them? Like what's causing the symptoms? We can like put band-aid solutions on all of those, but until we get to the root and that's the hard stuff. And like, you just got to that in the first thing you said on the podcast. And I just, oh, it just means it's so, I hope everybody hears that. Like every listener hears that. (laughs) It's so true because for a long time, so I was going to my doctors and then they just kept telling me like, there's nothing wrong with you. And that was exactly. really crappy tr- receiving that because I know that there, there's, my body is not well. Like I am very, very sick. And then when I started with a lot of different alternative health practices, we were trying to really figure out like, what, what's that thing that's causing that digestive thing? And at this point, I had no awareness in my body. Like I was very detached from your body and your mind Mm -hmm. and nothing to me was connected at all. It was just like, and I was a very like science-based person. I was a very, what is this one thing that's externally like that's happening to me? What's happening to me? Not what is going on that I'm not bringing up. Mm -hmm. So it took a lot of time struggling through that, but nobody ever asked me like, what is the true reason for like this stress that you're feeling? Like this is safe space, open up, go, go deeper. Or even taking me deeper, like, you know, when I would maybe answer and then drilling down deeper because I did not know how to do that. I didn't know that that's what I needed to do, but that is really what we do need to do with people is take them deeper because they don't have that awareness, but we need to help them to find that awareness. Mm -hmm. Couldn't agree more. I also think it's interesting. The very first thing you said that struck me was that these were problems that no one thought you should have. And I think that's really interesting because in every, in all the conversations that I've had with people around money specifically, there, it's a very common story of like, I had a lot of debt and a lot of shame with that. And that's kind of the story that I've been exposed to. And I always wonder, did you end up reading Kelsa or for people that are listening that don't know our trainer and the program that Mandy and I were just in, she suggested um, Brent Kessel's It's Not About the Money, I think is the book. It's got like seven different financial archetypes. You probably remember it from like a handout. But I always think it's so interesting, the other side of that coin, that people, the people that you would think should have no problems because they have it all together. And there's a whole different side of there's a lot of different issues that come up with having things or trying to meet those expectations that other people are placing on you. Absolutely. So when I went through that, um, I came up with my two main money archetypes and it was bang on. And it finally, it made me feel better about it because I went, okay, so I've been really great at managing it, but on the mindset side of things, these are the stuff that I do struggle with. Like this is, and, and it's okay. Like you don't need to feel that shame. And I think that's, one of the hardest parts is feeling the shame about opening up about it. And that's why I'm so, that's why I very freely share my story because I want people, I want money to not be taboo. And it doesn't matter what end of the spectrum you are on with your finances, where you've been, where you're at now, that you can open up and you don't have to feel really crappy about it. Like the first thing is just getting it off your chest. But so many of us feel like we can't do that. We feel like people are going to judge us. That's why so many people, that's why it takes a lot of time some time for people to open up to us as even financial coaches because they've been thinking about it for a while, but they feel that shame, that stigma. And that's why Mm -hmm. I think it's so important to have these conversations. So people know this is what you need to do is you do need to talk about it because if you don't, then that's what you suffer internally so much 
way more than you think you are. And I don't want people to suffer like I suffered. It reminds me of people that suffer even with anxiety, like generalized anxiety or depression or, you know, people that on the outside look like they're really fit and that they could never get sick, but have all of these conditions going on inside and they don't feel like, well, who am I? Like, who am I? I'm over here doing yoga and eating, you know, drinking green juice, but I feel terrible in the inside. Or somebody that's like, I look like I have it all together, but like secretly inside, I'm so sad. And it's that whole, I don't want other people to know. So they hold it in. But this just goes to show you in like whatever area it is, like your body is giving you signs that you have to release it and you have to dig deeper and figure out what's going on. Absolutely. So what are some, when you talk about scarcity versus abundance mindset, like I'm very familiar with it. I'm sure Nina is familiar with it, but can you explain for people that may not be familiar with it, like kind of what that is and how you can switch from one to another. For sure. So for me, how I felt with the scarcity was I was just always worried about seeing that number in my bank account all of a sudden disappear or like there was going there, that there wasn't enough because growing up, um, sometimes food was a little bit of an issue. So that feeling of you need to have a whole bunch and you always just, you have, so, and the same with money, you need to have a whole bunch of it. So I was, I was a big time saver. It took a lot, like I have definitely invested in myself, but there was a lot of areas where I would not spend money because I felt like, no, I have to be super, super frugal. So for me, what it took was writing down all of the really amazing things I had in my life. So gratitude journaling has been incredible. And just me reflecting on the things that I do have in my life really did help me to see like, you know what? You aren't struggling anymore. You aren't going through that. Like what you lived as a child is not your current reality. And writing down the things I had in my life and not just materialistic, but you know that I I was safe. That was really important for me to write down because that has been something that I've really struggled with is that feeling of safety, that feeling of security. And just reminding myself, what is my actual true reality versus that perceived reality? Because I was doing really great, but I was living all that, that life I had as a child. And that sounds, it sounds so silly that I was living that out, but it's true. That's how I felt every single day. So you really need to recognize like, what is your actual situation? And then also looking towards the future, like whatever your past was, that doesn't have to be your future. So thinking the thoughts of, think of all the ways that things can be better instead of all, you know, waiting for the other shoe to drop. That's constantly what I was doing. Mm -hmm. So affirmations, I know they sound so corny, but you guys, you need to change those actual beliefs and thoughts that are going on in your head, which means you have to change the words that you're using. When it comes to affirmations, though, I say use ones that really align with the things that make you feel most scarce. So instead of just reading or saying out loud, like a really, really general affirmation, I feel like that doesn't make the difference. It needs to be something that truly resonates with you. So go through and look at some and then write some down that really, really stick with you. And you might not believe them at first, but you will start to believe it at that cellular level, which is what you really do need to change. So for me, I was, it took me quite a while to start journaling. It took my coach multiple times telling me. And finally, one session, she's like, you're still experiencing this anxiety. How do you think it's going to get better if you, you haven't even tried to journal? Hmm. So I went, okay, I'm going to give it a shot. I don't know what I'm doing. And I think I wrote about six pages. It was immensely helpful. And I've just been journaling for about four years since then. So mm -hmm. journaling is huge. Nobody else is going to read it. Saying affirmations out loud. Another thing that I do now is when you're sitting at your computer working, you can play affirmations in the background. So literally for eight hours, you can listen to that. 
I have also done hmm. hypnosis. That's a huge thing that's been very beneficial for me. So there's a lot of things that you can do to put that money mindset on autopilot. So it doesn't feel like it's one more thing to do when you're busy, you know, put that stuff on while you are working at your computer, while you're driving somewhere, walking around your house. And then also you can listen to meditations, hypnosis is while you're sleeping and have all that soak into your subconscious mind to really just help you start to feel more abundant and shift from that scarcity to that, that truly abundant mindset. I like that you said it gets to the cellular level because a lot of times, you know, somebody might think, well, I can't just tell myself like you are abundant or whatever the affirmation is, like whether it's body image or finances, it's like people are like, that just doesn't feel real. That doesn't feel authentic. Mm -hmm. But what it does is your brain doesn't know the difference. Your brain like literally doesn't know the difference when you say those things, if it's true or not. Like you're, you're, um... Uh, you're like conscious, whatever. I don't know what it's called, but like a part of you will be like, that sounds fake. But your brain's like, oh, okay, you're saying this. And so then it really does. It starts to change you at a cellular level. And I think that's incredible. It's just such a good point. Even if it feels off to you, keep doing it because it's changing things. For sure. And for me, I was, my, my story kept being, like I kept telling myself that money is very limited and there's not enough to go around. If you keep saying that, that will eventually become your reality. So just be Mm -hmm. super careful about those words. And for me, that was a story that I had to change. I'm very interested in how you made the transition from, because I feel like people that are really in the science world don't tend to be in the like woo-woo holistic world. So I'm very curious about like how you switched or like how the scientific mindset maybe supports the holistic mindset, like how those two parts of you kind of work together. So it definitely took quite a while to get there because I'm a very A-type personality. I'm very left-sided thinking. I'm not as much right-sided thinking. And it took a long time. For me, it was in school learning the mind-body connection and how everything really does affect one another. And then also just my personal experiences, me seeing the transformation of my health when I actually, you know, I I kept trying all these protocols and I was still only getting so much better. I was still hitting this plateau. But for me to get through that plateau was me working on how I actually felt around money. And when I seen Mm -hmm. that, I went, okay, there's, there's a lot more that I have to, now I finally believe it, that your thoughts, they're, they make they affect us so much more than we ever truly believe. And I know that there's a lot of people talking about that now, but it is so true. And I was like the complete other side before. So it wasn't like I was always a person who was very, very spiritual. I would say I was not spiritual at all, but just what Mm -hmm. I personally went through and what I was able to overcome, I went, wow, it is truly, you really do have to blend the two together. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was just seeing my own experience and me, and also I had to be open. I didn't want to do the journaling. Cause to me, that was that, oh yeah. Like how is journaling actually going to change anything for me? Like I need, I need a pill. I need a supplement. That's very much so what my old thinking was. And so I had to be open to just writing through the journal and to not knowing what the outcome would be. Maybe nothing would happen, but maybe something incredible would happen. Like I had to stop knowing And I had to stop fixating on something else being the solution, some Mm -hmm. external thing coming in and fixing my life, knowing that I was the one that held the key the entire time, but I had to know how to tap into that. So it's, if you're not as much spiritual and kind of, you know, on the, the law of attraction side and that sort of thing, and, you know, thinking how your mindset really affects it, just be open to it. 
just be open to trying it and say, you know what, whatever, this might not work at all, but it might actually work too. Just be open. So do you think just saying those words is enough to help somebody? Because that's my biggest struggle as a coach is what's going to happen when one of my clients says, I'm not into that. Or like, I don't buy into that. I don't believe that. And I can't, and it's one of those things where I'm like, you just have to try or, you know, just trust me. Once you start, it'll come to you. And so is it as easy as saying like, just be open to it. It doesn't have to be this or that. Just try it. And, and that was what all you needed. It definitely took repeating it a few times. And I'm sure my coach was annoyed, probably, <laughs> because she told me to journal right from the beginning and I, I didn't. So it was her finally saying, you know what? You haven't done it yet. You're still experiencing this. You, you should really be open to trying it. And so for her just reframing it in that way that I'm still experiencing what I'm trying to have her help me with, but I haven't done the thing that she has told me multiple times to do. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's an easier way of saying, just be open instead of saying journal and your life will be changed. Because at first people haven't experienced that. So they don't see how that's going to work. So just saying, you know what, just write down one day, take it one day at a time and even maybe kind of give them some prompts of how to do that. Because at first people are like, I have no idea how to journal. And I got together with my coach, my other health coach friends yesterday. And that's what we were talking about was her, her, client said, we don't know how to do this. So she had to give them prompts mm-hmm. and walk them through and say, it also doesn't have to look like whatever you think it's going to look like. It can be anything. And you just start taking whatever is coming from your mind. Just start writing. Like you don't have to know it before you sit down, just grab the pen and whatever comes comes and do not be judgmental of what is written down. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, do you, cause I will admit like I am on the, I don't journal train. Like I am where you were, where you're like, I know I need to do this. 5,000 people tell me I need to do this all the time. And I just like, don't feel a connection doing it. Do you, what's your thoughts on like paper versus electronic versus like, is there more power in like the pen to paper experience? Because I think that's where I get hung up. I have the worst handwriting and I get hand cramps very easily. But I'm like, I feel like the true way to journal is on paper so you can have that physical connection. And then I just don't do it. (laughs) I guess when I think of that, I think when you're doing pen to paper, it's not as easy to backspace and erase. And it's just, it's more flowing from you because you're just going to keep going. And if it's messy, it's messy, whatever. And I feel like when I type, because I'm an A-type personality, Instead of me typing something and then go back and fixing it, my personality is just to fix it right there. And there's that interruption of the flow of the thoughts that are coming out to what you're typing. But if you're a person who doesn't like to journal, I think the most important thing is just to get words out. So if you start on a computer, because I I will admit the first time that I did journal, I typed it on my computer first. And then I journaled after that. So I did do that. That was the six pages that I did was on my computer. And then I started after that. So I would say the most important thing is just to get the words out because the whole point isn't as much how it, like the medium you use to do that. It's just getting the thoughts, the feelings, the things that have been weighing you down, get them out of your body. The other thing I was scared of if anyone read what I had to write. So I put it on my computer and then I could hide it somewhere. Um, Another thing you can do is you can write it and then you can burn it very Mm -hmm. carefully. Do not burn yourself. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I think that's the most important thing. And on on another podcast I'd heard the other day, they said that when you do write, it's clinically proven to 40% increase the speed at which you heal. So for me, that's, that's my left-sided brain going, okay, that's evidence right yeah. there for 
why to keep up with this? I'll say when I journal, I was never a journaler until a couple of years ago. And it's one of the biggest things that it's like healed me. And I'm not a writer in any sense. It's just like that cathartic way of getting things out. And I think I truly believe that writing is a way to hear your intuitive voice. So you put that pen down and you just go and you shut, you literally shut your brain off in your hand. My hand will just move sometimes. I'm not even thinking about it. And I'll tell you, Liz, like I can't even read some of my handwriting. That's the crazy part to me is I'll be writing and it's just like almost like for uh, viciously writing and I go back and I'm like, wow, I can't even read that. But I still let out everything I needed to let out. I didn't like care if I spelled things hmm. right. I didn't erase things. I like jump around on the page. Um, and then, yeah, you can like rip it up or burn it. And I just wrote, I'm creating a six-week course right now. And I just wrote at the end like a release and it was about like shedding it or carefully burning it and then setting new intentions and writing those down and like putting them really close to your heart. It's just, it's so cathartic. I I feel like if I was typing, it'd be the same thing that you said. I would just like, I'd type and delete and type and delete and it wouldn't be a flow of consciousness as much. I'll have to revisit it. I always know I need to. And I actually like, I already, as part of my coaching program, like I have like a bunch of journal prompts. Like I'm going to tell people to do it. I just, it's really hard sometimes for me to take my own advice. Liz, we still need to trade services. So I'm going to get you, yeah, doing all of this. And then you're going to start coaching me with your financial wisdom. Deal. I I need beta clients, so. (laughs) I love that. Yeah, I was curious. So going back to just changing your mindset. So you were in a six-figure business or you were working and making six figures and you still, like behind all of that, had this scarcity, like I can't let this all go. And I'm sure the left side of your brain was like, well that I need I need to worry about this. Because I find that some people justify their worries. They're like, I have to worry about this because if I don't worry about this, then clearly I might lose my money or what if I lose my job, blah, blah, blah. And that's really hit me hard recently because the older I get and the more money I make and my husband makes, the more I realize I still have the same mindset I had when I was in college. It doesn't really matter how much I have or if I have a little bit more in savings or whatever, less debt. I still at the root have that. And I'm, I'm using it as a protective mechanism still. I'm doing the same thing. Well, I need to worry because if I want to have a house, I have to do this. And if I do, if I lose this. So what's your advice to the people that think worry is helpful? We're, you're worrying about something. It's, it's not helping you at all. It's for me, what it was. <laughs> like fact, it's not helping. So let's put it, let's say that <laughs> established <right now. laughs> for me. I need to, what I would love people to know is you worrying is a huge, it, the amount of energy that that takes away from you is so incredible and it exhausts you. And I see a lot of people who are exhausted all the time. So just think about how much more energy you could have and all the other things. Like you could literally make more money if you stopped worrying because you could create more brain space you would create more ability for you to actually do something more productive than what you're doing. And when you focus on worrying, that's what you get more of in your life. Like the more I worried, the more my anxiety got worse. So I needed to, I I was tracking my finances, but I really, really needed to combine the two sides of, you know what, go ahead and be managing your money really well. So you, you can tell yourself, you know what, I don't need to worry as much because I'm actually doing my due diligence on the actual money management side. But then you also do have to work on the money mindset side and go, you know what? I am doing everything that I can possibly do. And there's this is within my control and I'm doing a really good job of it. I cannot worry about those things that are out of my control because they are just eating away at my life. But if those things actually happen, there's nothing I can do about it. So why am I so spending true. my life worrying about them now? Because that is exactly what I did. 
Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting the other day, my coach said this to me, which I was like, yeah, yeah, Stacy, I know, geez. About how, <laughs> if anything, any good quality taken to an extreme becomes a fault. And so we were talking about for me, like I'm a hard worker. Well, sometimes I don't stop working and I just like keep working and I get a lot of work anxiety. And I think the same thing is true with worry. I think it's one of those things like we pride ourselves mm-hmm. on, like I'm paying attention, I'm conscious, I'm like thinking ahead. I'm, I feel like our society almost condones that worry. And so we can think that we're, it's like a noble trait that we have yeah. in that way. But taken to that extreme, then it doesn't do anything other than hurt us. And sometimes we look down upon the people that were like, oh, that free spirit, like they can go and do that. And, you know, they're going to get a hard rude awakening. Um, I remember I'm very specific about what I worry about and what I don't. Because a lot of people will tell me that I just am a go with the flow, like whatever person. And I remember being younger and people being like, Nina, like you need to think more about things like this or you need to worry more about this. And then as I got older, I feel like I manifested that and was like, I need to worry about everything and I need to be in control of everything. (laughs) And then that got me nowhere. So boo you, all you people that told me to worry more when I was younger. (laughs) Nina's got a list. She's coming after you. I'm coming after you, dad. That's who I'm coming. (laughs) Very specifically, I'm coming. You also are the reason for all of my money worries too. So we're going to have to have a talking to one day. Question on, okay, so I have more of like a very specific question. When you're working with clients and you're trying to say, okay, let's let's cut the worry. Let's get more of an abundant mindset. Do you really pair the mindset with the more like logistical budget work? Do you do that together or do you do one first? Are you like, let's get the budget in order so you can feel good and in control of the things you can't control. And then let's work on the mindset. How do you do that while you're coaching? Absolutely. And it's changed since I have worked with more people, figure out what works better. And so this is what I personally found when I first started my business, I thought I would do mindset first and then kind of work on the logistics after. But what I found was people are a lot more accountable and they just go so much farther with their finances when you get them results right away. So they can actually believe it and buy into the mindset. That is what I found. So now what we do is we start off the logistics. We get them the clarity in their finances first, going through the numbers. Mindset always does come up. But the first things I do like to focus on is actually getting them to see real changes in their finances. They get excited about that. They get hopeful. They start to feel that confidence. And then we can, and then it's almost like now they're open to having those deeper conversations to talk about mindset versus talking about them off the right off the start and them not really feeling like anything can change because we haven't actually done anything to change it yet. I've just found that they're so much more open when they start to see results first. It's like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Is that the dude, Maslow? Like you, yeah, you feel safe with your budget situation. Yeah, and then you can move I forget. up. Well, yeah, yeah, and it, and the same thing is like if your body is working against you, you have to heal sort of those things to help, you know, lift the brain fog or to like help calm your digestive issues. And then it's like, okay, now that we're feeling better, let's dive into your mindset. You know, let's dive into spirituality. It's the same thing. Makes so much sense. A- absolutely. What are your thoughts on... So I have explored, are you, how familiar are you with like intuitive eating and that field of Yeah, I'm, I'm quite familiar with it because it took me a long time to get there. Yeah. Um, so I feel like I'm in this like pendulum swing with money and finances where like I was doing a lot of like calorie counting, restricting, like being very diligent, like always tracking everything, both with my budget and my food. 
And that would lead to like binge stuff. So then I flipped in the opposite direction where I'm like, I'm not going to track anything. I'm going to like just be really open and intuitive and like listen to my body. And I found that that was a little extreme. For me, it didn't, I mean, I don't want to say it didn't work because it's my mindset, at least with food, is like 5,000 times better than it was. But I, now I'm at this point where I'm like, I don't feel good because I wasn't like, really watching what I was eating. I was just like, if I felt like I wanted some chips, I just ate some chips. So I've kind of gone a little bit back in the other direction where I'm trying to track things, but saying I'm tracking because I just want to pay attention to what I'm doing instead of just like not paying any attention, which is where I was at before. I tend to go like in big swings. That's how I live my life. So I'm curious what your thoughts are on tracking food and tracking money. And if you typically, how to what level you recommend people do that? For sure. So I'm going to address the food first because you just explained something that I've dealt a lot with. So I was very obsessive over food before I have had multiple eating disorders. And so For me, it took about two years just to even reach the point of kind of even beginning to do intuitive eating because it took so long to get to that point. And for me, I went back to doing some of that tracking again, but I had a totally different mindset. And I was reminding myself every day that I was doing that, why I was doing this. It had nothing Mm. to do with the calories. It had to do with how I felt when I ate it. And just me being more aware, it had nothing to do with my body image. It had nothing to do with who I was as a person. Um, Previously, I modeled for eight years. So I was very, very careful about what I ate. So it took a really long time for me personally to get over a lot of my food issues. And so now everything that I see, I do it from like an energetic standpoint of like, I want to know what what it was I was eating. So if I was kind of feeling a little less energetic, it probably had to do with that. So tracking from that aspect versus from a like, how much do I weigh? And the other thing is I do not, like I weigh myself very, very little now. And it's so interesting. I weigh myself the least and my weight almost never fluctuates anymore. Where Mm -hmm. I used to fluctuate all the time. I was that woman that made jokes about, oh my gosh, like I could be like 10 pounds heavier this day randomly. And it's so neat how when you can get to that point where your body is like at that homeostasis because you have taken care of it in that way. Now, when it comes to money, when I first start working with people, we do need to track a lot at the beginning because, you know, let's say I'm working with someone who's 32 years old. We're kind of having to fix about 32 years of bad habits, you know, false beliefs, a lot of stuff like that. You know, they don't have any systems in place at all. There's no clarity. So the first thing is getting organization in their finances. Then it's clarity in their actual situation. Then it's getting them on the budgeting method and seeing their money. And then once they've got a really good system set up and they're consistent, for me, what it is, is having them do like less than five minutes a day of managing their money. So it's a really, really small amount, but it's very, very consistent. So it's not over obsessing. The other thing too, is once we have a system in place, we can set certain amounts for, let's say their everyday spending. But when they're putting that on a spreadsheet, when they're tracking it, they're not breaking every single little thing down that I spend exactly this on groceries, exactly this on eating out, exactly this on, you know, entertainment. We just have an amount allotted and that's their amount to do what they want with it. So we're not micromanaging that. And I know it can be really easy to think that that's what you need to do. But when you do that micromanaging, that's when it kind of turns into that same way with food where you're walking around your house and you're walking around work. And the only thing you're thinking about almost all day long (laughs) is what you're going to eat next, what, you know, food and it controls your life. And I do not want 
money to control people's lives. That happens way too often. So by doing it in this way, they know kind of their parameters, but they can do what they want, but they don't have to micromanage it. I just keep thinking like the more you talk, first of all, I keep saying like, I love this girl, like in my head, because you're saying every, (laughs) you're saying everything that I agree with. But I just keep thinking like, I also just love this work because it blows my mind how everything is connected. Like you could be talking about money and I'm immediately translating it to holistic health and like anxiety and hormones or anything. It's like all of this comes back down to mindset. And I have realized that when I solve something in one area of my life, how I realize I'm doing it in other areas, if that makes sense. So it's like, okay, I don't track my food and, you know, the food tracker anymore. I don't do any of that. So I'm like, okay, that's fine. And then I realize, oh, Nina, your core issue right now is, is literally control. So when it comes to finances, I'll notice, I'll be like, ooh, like I really should probably, should I do the envelope system? Should I micromanage like where I'm spending this and a lot this and do this and do that? And I'm like, holy crap, like you're just doing it in another area of your life. So it just goes to show you. And I always wonder about that, the whole envelope system. It does seem like that would be a very, like a guilty thing. Like if you overspend, you feel bad. Just, I hate that mindset around, around money as well as I do around health when you don't do something right, quote unquote. Absolutely. And it it works. That might work for some people, but I don't want everyone to think that they need to do that it that way. Or if they do it that way and it doesn't work that they're not good with their finances, it might be that that model just doesn't work for you. And that's what I think it also depends on your personality. I'm a very a type personality, a little bit on the addictive side of certain things. Uh, definitely micromanager for a lot of things, feeling Mm -hmm. like I need that control in my life. And it's so interesting that you use that word because that's exactly what my coach, when I was working with her for the anxiety, the binge eating and opened up about the finances, that's what she said. You're trying to control everything. And she said, I don't Mm. want you to use that word because when when you're using that word, because I was telling her, I feel like I, I feel like I can't control myself around food. And she said, that's the problem. You're trying to control everything. And it's the same. Mm. It's the exact same with your money. When I was making those six figures at that job, I was also very much so micromanaging what I ate, my finances and my food. So it was really interesting. Like you said, when you work on one thing in your life, it affects another. It's interesting how, you know, the money and the the food totally mimicked each other. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes Nina and I do that where we ask questions at the same time and then we make awkward faces at each other. Yeah. Um, So what did that look like transitioning? Because you left that job, obviously. So how did how did you cope with that trend? I mean, cause that's a big shift to go from six figures to, I mean, obviously coaching doesn't make nothing, but like it's not six figures right off the bat, typically, unless you're doing something really special. You're super, give me the D to that. <laughs> if you just started coaching and quit your full-time job and you're making six figures, hit me up. I need to know your secret. <laughs> so yeah, it was definitely a lot of mindset work. Cause actually what I did was I quit my job Then I went back to school for a year. So I paid tuition, moved to another province. I was eight hours away from my husband. And so there's a lot of money going out, but there's nothing coming in because I am not, I have no income yet. And then I started my coaching business after that. So for me, I had, I definitely saved a lot of money before I went back to school and I was careful. I, you know, I managed it really, really well, but I had to constantly work on the mindset because those thoughts would come up, you know, those scarcity feelings, because I don't know when income's going to start coming in. And I don't know how quickly it's going to start because, you know, it's not like I'm going and um, getting hired by someone else and know that every two weeks, this is what's being deposited into my account. So the first thing was I had been saving for quite a while because I knew I was going to make a change. I didn't know what it was. Then when I finally figured out, I only had about 
four months before between the time of me figuring out what I wanted to do and me leaving my job. So I had saved a lot before then, then I continued to save. And the mindset side, it was the biggest struggle for me was just telling myself, you are going to make it through. Like, you're not going to be homeless. You're not going to go without Mm -hmm. food. Like all those things that we are feeling most scared about, like that security feeling kept telling myself, like, no matter what happens, it's okay. And I think this is another important thing to do is actually like, there's so many times that we tell ourselves a story in our head and we go to like the worst possible thing. And then we're like, Oh my God, what if that happens? But actually having people do that and then say, if that really terrible thing at the very end happens, you know, like you're homeless, you don't have any food, like whatever it was that you told yourself, would you still be okay? Would you still be alive? Would you still be able to access resources? Would you still be able to get help? And when you realize that that really, that place, you're still alive and you're actually still okay, all of a sudden it's like a little bit lighter and you're like, you know what? 99% of the time, the stuff that I make up in my head does not come true. And just remind yourself, how many times have you told yourself stories, but none of that ever actually happened? And then, go- and then you realize how much time you wasted worrying right, about it. Right. I'm just tying this to right now to my elevator fear because I'm thinking of going to Las Vegas in a couple <gasps> weeks. And you can I was do like, it. Not in a couple weeks, in like a month. But I was, um, I'm so afraid of elevators. And I keep telling myself like, again, Nina, this is one of your control things. Like here it is. The deepest, deepest rooted one is like this elevator fear. I'm like, how often does somebody actually get stuck in an elevator? Also, you've already been stuck in one once. So how often does somebody get stuck in an elevator twice? Like the it's odds true. are ever in your favor. And if you do get stuck in an elevator, like really, if you have your phone and an emergency button, like I've been trying they to They will talk. get you out. Like that's their job. But you then call the, you press the fire department button, right. they get you out. It's just like more of the panic that will set in once I'm locked in a box. But I'm trying not to think about that. Then I read a watch story the about- video about, like watch videos of people getting out. I did. That helped me. I, I did, but Liz, I think it's fake because then I watched more videos about how people die when they try and get themselves out of elevators. I know. See, I need to, I, this is my one issue I need to work on. Listeners, if you know somebody to coach me through my elevator fear, let me know. Sorry, I don't know why I got on that tangent. What were we just talking about? Oh, like going to the like scariest possibility and just talking yourself out of that actually happening or like what you would do if it happened. Yeah. And it just seems so much less scary. And instead of that holding that power over you, all of a sudden you're like, well, I know what I would do if I got to that point. I would go ahead and I would access resources. You know, maybe I would go to a shelter. Yeah. I would do this. I would do that. And it's like, you've, all, you've, you've planned that out. So if that ever happened, you're like, okay. I think it's so many times when we play that story out and we just allow it to hold that control over us that it literally kind of starts to dictate our life. But once you go, this is exactly what I would do. It's kind of like when I set up an emergency budget with people, if they are worrying about, you know, if they lost their job, they know right away exactly what they would cut and how much money that, Mm. how much money it would cost them each month after that for their expenses. So, you know, it's just that peace of mind. And I feel like it's really the same thing there, knowing that you're going to be okay and you know what you would do. I have a very specific question again, and this relates both to finances and like weight loss. So if you are, like you said, I saved up a lot of money and then you were able to do these things. So in the finance sense, you do need to have a certain amount of money sometimes because like money is energy. So having a certain amount of money allows you to do certain things, like quit your job and go do coaching. So in that sense, and in my mind right now, is like I try and save for a condo. I'm like, it's, it's making me almost be controlling because I want to accomplish something. And so then that makes me justify my worries again. And then when it comes to people that are struggling with weight loss, they might say, well, 
I, I do need to lose weight, like for my health. I know that there's a lot of science about that, but I'm saying like, what if that's in their mind? Like, I do want this goal. So how do I do both? Like, how do you manage something because you have a goal, but also not drive yourself crazy? Does that make sense? Yeah. That question? Yeah, it does. And that's where I would say to combine the two things that we've talked about. So it combine like, let's say if it's the money side and, you know, saving for a condo, combine the side of managing it. But as soon as maybe the first thing, when you are going through and doing that, let's say you're at your computer and you're going through numbers, have a money date when you're doing that. So it feels good while you're looking at the numbers. So I tell my clients always to do this, like have something that tastes really good. I prefer them to drink something hot because it's a nourishing feeling to the body. I like Mm. to either put like essential oils on or have them diffusing, have the like, um, affirmations playing on their computer, have it quiet, have your door closed, like no kids are running around, or maybe you need to, maybe you enjoy coffee shops and you go there, but make it really, really good when you're looking at those numbers. So you feel at a higher vibration when you're doing it. Mm. And then afterwards journal out and journal wide as you're working towards this and like take away that feeling of you being a micromanager and saying, I'm doing this because I want this and it'll allow me to achieve this and it'll make me feel like more freedom. Cause let's say maybe you're renting a place and you don't like that place. Journal out wide as you're doing it and focus on all those amazing things versus you being like the micromanager. Mm. Yeah, that's so good. And it all comes back to how you feel. It's the same thing, like Liz, when you're talking about tracking, like your mind now isn't like, I'm tracking this because I need to lose weight and I need to like drop calories. It's oh, like, it's so much better. I went this. over yesterday yeah. my calories and I was like, I went over. Yeah. Okay. And you're like, but how do like, I feel? Right. Which is so important. And how, yeah, that's such a good point when it comes to your finances too. It's not about like, I'm doing this because I have to be here and I have to do this or else I'm a bad saver. I'm blah, blah, bad with money. It's like, I'm doing this because like, I want to feel good. And this is also like goals that I have for my life. Um, The only other question that I had um, was, I know you work with, you do work with entrepreneurs, correct? Like in a business sense. Yeah, I work with just like health coaches, life coaches on their business finances. Yes. So how does that, what kinds of patterns are you seeing there with people that have started their own things? Do they have unique like money blocks or things that they're facing that maybe the average person doesn't see? What I see, and this isn't as much of a block, but I do see it as something that's very, very common that I'm seeing is them feeling like whatever they're spending that they can truly just out earn it. So they actually don't really need to look at anything or manage it. And I want them to, because I know they want to feel abundant and I want them to feel abundant. But I do, at the same time, you really do need to blend it. Everything, it's, you have to balance all those things out. Like everything, you know, if you're a micromanager, that doesn't work. But if you're totally not looking at anything, that doesn't do you any good either. So really working with them, telling them that having a system in place is not restrictive. It makes it so they can make better decisions. So they're able to do the things that they want to do. But they really do have to actually look at what the numbers are and to know where they're at. Because I think a lot of people when starting their businesses, they throw a lot of money out and they don't realize sometimes it takes a little bit longer. You know, you, you, at the beginning, you are planting so many seeds. Like you need to see entrepreneurship as seasons. At first, in the spring season, you are planting so many seeds and that the harvest does not come right away. It's like, if you look at actual crops and if you look at grass, it takes a a grass seed And then the grass grows later, but it takes time for that grass to grow. That grass doesn't grow within two weeks. So just reminding Mm -hmm. people that, and and then also another thing I see is them not really, most entrepreneurs that I have seen 
They're not really looking at their personal finances at all. And so what I want them to know is that if you manage your personal finances really well, it doesn't mean that we're allotting less money to your business. What it means is we are creating more money to invest into your business. So it's such a bonus for you to do that because now you know that you want to work with that coach or take that course or invest in that system so it's more efficient. But at the beginning, most of the time, you don't have anyone that is giving you capital for your business. Everything is coming from your personal finances. So if you want to have that successful business and it takes that time to build that, you need to start with your personal finances absolutely first. That is your foundation because that's where the money's coming from. And just reminding them of that because I think a lot of times they think I'll just don't earn it and I don't really need to look. And just reminding that this is how we create more money so then you can be more profitable faster. Mm. I asked that one for you, Nina, because I, not like I think you're on the struggle bus or anything, but I know like you're more in it than I currently am as a not yet yet launched person. Yeah. And that has been on my mind a lot because I, I have so many different passions when it comes to the business. And right now I'm like, I really want to get my Reiki certification. And then I, I really, really want to add this hormone certification. And I also like have a whole list of books that I want to buy. And I keep thinking like, okay, there's all of these things that I want to go to this retreat or whatever it is. And I struggle because that is coming out of uh, my personal finances or it's coming out of like however many clients I have. But so when does the business make, you know, it's just a whole world of things that I've now had to tack on to my own financial, like personal financial struggles and goals. So yeah, thanks for that. You're so welcome. And I think it's just because most of the time when we have businesses, we love personal development so much that we want to do all those things at once. But we just have to remind ourselves we can only do so much at once. And I'm also speaking to myself like a year ago. Uh, I have done so much this past year, but it also makes it so we aren't able to put as much time towards certain areas of our business when we're doing so many other things. So just remind ourselves, we only have so many hours in a day and so much energy. So making sure that we're also really, really smart about that too is only do as much as you can kind of handle at that time. Because when you're consuming information, you need to make sure you leave a lot of time for the actual implementation. Because that's one of the things I see a lot of people doing is they do so much consuming, but then your brain is actually like, your brain is exhausted. You're speaking the language. (laughs) So you just need to make sure (laughs) you have that, that space created to actually implement what you are learning. Yeah. So many people get the information high. So you read something, you're like, oh my gosh, I know everything. This is great. This is fantastic. I have to do this and this and that. And then you don't implement it. So then you just, like nothing ever comes of it. And I find that uh, to be very common, especially like when people are first ready to start something. It's like, yes, got this. And then you got to keep the implementation going, but it's a learning curve. You figure it out as you go. Yeah, you really do. Well, thank you so much for coming on and talking with us today. I think that you are like the perfect blend of me and Liz and it's wonderful. And if our listeners take anything from this conversation, I really want them to realize that it all is, it's all in one, whether it's your finances or your health or whatever the case may be, it comes down to like, what really are your limiting beliefs? What are your core beliefs? And how are those things then manifesting in your life? So is that your finances? Is that your anxiety? Is that your digestive issues? Like break it down. And if you need to find a coach to help you do that, because that's what we're all here for. So thank you so much for coming and talking with us. This has been awesome. Thank you guys so much for having me on here. This was such an amazing conversation. And I love that you two are combining things that I absolutely love. So this was amazing for me.
Yeah. Awesome. Real quick, where can people find you? Either website, Instagram, all of that great stuff so they can chat with you. For sure. So you can find me on Instagram. I'm very active on there and I do a lot of Instagram stories too. So it's at Mandy Thomas and Mandy has two Y's and which I love. <laughs> and then I don't know why I'm like, I can always remember how to spell it. Cause there's yeah, two. It, it either makes, oh, it, it, makes it easier now. for people to remember in that regard. But then it's so funny when you're filling your name out for anything, everybody's like, I just want to like triple check. I think this is wrong. So I'll fix it. And I'm like, oh, I'm yeah. like, no, no, it really does have two Y's. And my website is just Mandy Thomas. It's two Y's again.com. This honestly has been great though. Thanks so much. Thank you guys so much for joining us for this conversation with Mandy Thomas. I hope that you are feeling inspired to really take a look at your financial health and especially your health when it comes to the way that you view and think about money. And hopefully you've made some ties to how that also relates to other areas of your life, like holistic health, gut health, hormonal health. And it really all boils down to our need to control. That's what it is for me. So yeah, we hope that you continue to follow Mandy or if you're interested in coaching, you can find all of the information for her in the show notes. And of course, don't forget to follow us over on Instagram at Finding Your Shine Podcast and reach out to me if you have any questions about the six-week course, Empowered Mind, Empowered Body. We'll catch you next week with another wonderful, inspiring guest. Bye. Bye.